0: when I think of dialed in it's like I have a bigger purpose that bigger purpose drives my goals those goals make it really easy for me to get passionate about becoming excellent at the things I need do to achieve those goals and then it makes it easy to do the bad stuff the practice right and the practice with intention around your colleagues around your peers to make you better <laughs>
1: Over the course of my life and career, I've discovered the power of consciously investing in mindset and personal development. It has been a true game changer for me in my personal and professional life. And I'm extremely excited that you decided to join us today to take one step forward in your own life. Most of my breakthroughs have come from one-on-one conversations. We created this show to bring you those unfiltered conversations each and every week. Good morning, good morning. Greg Tom here, host of the Connected Mindset Live. Really looking forward to diving in here today, um, but before we do, today's episode is presented by Go Delete Me. One of the questions we get asked frequently as a cybersecurity company is how do I delete my information online? Today, you can go get 20% off. Go delete me at gregtomchick.live um, and, and delete some of that information that you're probably getting calls and, and mail to your house that you don't want. Um, and it's an easy way to do it. So we're a huge proponent of, of their company and what they're doing. So, without further ado, we got Mr. Jr. Butler on the on the on the line with us today on the show. Um, Looking forward to diving into a number of parallels, uh, Jr. But before we do, um, tell everybody a little bit about you know the mission you're on, what you guys are doing over at Shift Group, and uh, what you're hoping that each person listening in today walks away with. Awesome, Greg. Thanks for
0: having me, buddy. Uh, The mission of Shift Group is to help uh, former college professional Olympic athletes and those that serve in the military uh, find purpose and passion in the next part of their, their, their life's journey. Um, we do that by, by showing them the, the value of a career in sales, uh, training them on taking their soft skills and, and experience that make them really, really good candidates for sales careers and adding in the skills and knowledge that hiring companies look for when they hire salespeople, and then connecting them with companies that are are looking to hire athletes and veterans. Um, so the way I think about our mission is is helping improve the transition process for athletes and veterans, but also improve the hiring process for companies that hire entry level sales. is the highest attrition of any profession in the entire world uh, by about three x. So it's a, it's a, it's a massive problem on both sides of our marketplace. And and that's what we're looking to improve.
1: Heck yeah. I love it. I think taking that dual headed approach is so critical because, you know, you see a lot of people that they just want to help the person get a job, but if the recruiting company or the organization that is bringing these people in don't get it, it just, you're banging against the wall continuously. And I'm sure you saw that um, throughout your career. Um, let's dive a little bit into where it all started. So, you know, you were an athlete, um, tell everybody a little bit about, you know, your journey from, you know, kind of like high school on and, and how you got to the point of saying, holy cow, there's a huge problem here. We need to solve it. And uh, we're going to do it through shift group.
0: Yeah. It's funny. Like I talk about our mission is, is serving, um, serving myself at two points in my life. I, I, I could skate, Greg, before I could walk, like, I'm not kidding, like, literally, I was on skates before I could walk. Uh, my dad's a Hall of Fame high school hockey coach. So I grew up in a high school hockey locker room, which makes a lot of sense for people that know me. Um, and I, I was fortunate because of hockey, I got to go to a to a really good secondary school. And then I played in college at, at Holy Cross was part of a team that beat the University of Minnesota uh, about 20 years ago and still considered the biggest upset in college hockey history. Then one day I woke up and nobody wanted to pay me to play hockey, which is what kind of my plan was. And my dad was like, you need to get a job. That was literally, dude, I'm not kidding. The first time I thought about, like, what am I going to do the rest of my life? It sucked. It was brutal. I tripped and fell into sales and checked so many boxes for me. Um, I had a long sales career, 16 years, a um, lot of it in uh, leadership, so hiring salespeople, and I think I'm pretty good at that. But I was wrong about 40 or 50 percent of the time, even with a pretty good, a pretty good, uh, you know, GPS when it comes to that. So Shift Group is is again like I wish Shift Group existed when I was 24, 25 years old. And I entered the job market somewhere where I could learn about the value of my athletic experience and what it meant moving forward somewhere where I could learn what careers are out there that match kind of my financial goals and and my vision for my life. And then when I was hiring salespeople, I would shift group existed as a place to go and find the right profile for the type of person that I wanted to hire. So that's like, you know, my story and shift group story are one and the same. Um, it's, I think why we're successful is because I, I understand like deeply both sides of our marketplace. I know what it's like to transition and I know what it's like to hire and they both suck and they're both hard and we're
1: gonna make them better. <laughs> I love it, man. I, can, I, I know it was brutal going through that process of like, where do I go? Who do I go to? What do I ask them? Um, and you guys are solving all that. I've seen your platform and some of the awesome things you guys are doing. Um, what about the the missteps along the way? Like, what about the, you know, the messiness that got you, you know, through the transition is terrible. It's brutal. It's like, you, you have no idea which way you're going. You try all these different directions, you know, you trip and fall, you fall in the holes and then you get back out and you're like, you know, I'm going to make sure nobody falls in that hole. I just, you know, went down. Um, so dive in a little bit to that. You know what what you went through what you learned i think that'd be beneficial for everyone listening i i think
0: like and we we see it you know we do it with military veterans too right and you know pretty pretty perfect for veterans day that that we're yeah. talking about this um and and i think when you think about a life of service and a life of sport the the things that they have in common are like purpose bigger than yourself um so you have you're surrounded by people that you're you're literally going to battle with right in in, in the sense of uh, service. You're literally going to combat. And in the sense of sport, you're competing with these people and it it drives you in the morning It drive. It, it's the last thing you think about before you go to bed. It's hard as hell being an athlete. It's hard as hell being a, a soldier, but you get through those hard times because you're doing it for something bigger and and you have a why and a reason. And I think the reason that transitions are hard and it doesn't have to just be out of sports and service, but any transition is because you lose that guiding, that guiding purpose. Um, So for me, like that, that, those dark times in the transition, like not having a reason to, to do hard stuff. You don't do hard stuff. You don't surround yourself with people that do hard stuff. Because you don't have a reason to do hard stuff, mm-hmm. and we're at our best when we do hard stuff, right? So I think, like, I struggled personally. I struggled uh, with drugs and alcohol. i had been sober for over eleven years now, um, but that's that. Like, I kind of I always had a pension for it, but I think when I lost hockey, I, I did. I didn't have a governor anymore to be like, I got practice tomorrow,
1: mm-hmm. right?
0: So, so things got really bad. Things got really dark. And, and I think any athlete and any soldier will tell you the thing you miss the most is the camaraderie, and the locker room, and being around your your friends all day that you go to battle with. So, like for me, I, I I didn't know that's what I needed, but that's what I found, right? And I think that's and it's not sales for everybody, but there are a lot of different professions where you can go find that. And I, and and I don't care what you do, if you're a teacher, a doctor, a lawyer, a salesperson you're gonna do hard shit, like full stop. There's no easy rainbows and butterfly jobs out there. There just isn't. There's always stuff that you have you don't wanna do. And in order to do that and do it well and do it with conviction and passion, you have to be doing it for a bigger reason. So I think that's what like the ideal transition looks like is like really first and foremost, digging into that bigger reason, that bigger purpose. And that's finally what, what kind of got me over the hump after a couple of years was having that bigger purpose, that bigger reason. It was always there buried, even with the the purpose of being a division one hockey player. Like, why did I wanna be a division one hockey player? Why did I wanna be a professional hockey player? I wanted to have like a, a, a bright future and financial freedom. Like at the end of the day, that's really what it was about. Like, obviously I love the game, but like in the, in the at the core, that's really what was there. So I had to uncover that again. And then I had to go find something that would allow me to do that in a way that professional sports did. And that's, that's how I landed in sales. And, that, and, that, and that's been the life changing moment for
1: me ever since then. I love it. Yeah, it's, I think one of the things that resonated with me through some of the stuff you're posting, and you put out some stuff that's pretty raw. And I think not enough people are as vulnerable as they need to be to teach people what it's actually like, like it looks, you know, if somebody looks at my journey from the outside, you get out of baseball, Start a company and then all of a sudden you have a company with a couple people and you're like in their eyes a success. But all the messiness in there is what they need to know, because if they don't recognize that and get shared those details, they go through the same thing. I see it with you know, veterans. I'm, I'm in Norfolk, Virginia. So biggest Navy base. You get, all, you get people retiring basically every day. Um, mm-hmm. You get people getting out of sports. Um, and oftentimes they hit the bottle. Right. And it's like, hey, nobody knows what they're going through. Nobody can can relate. So they feel isolated and then they are just trying to numb it to increase that dopamine level. Um, and I, I had to go through that when I was getting out of baseball and I've started to share it with people around me. And it's like if just that one person knows that somebody went through it, they can better navigate it. Um, for me, it was like I had to basically like think about every 10 minutes like or every 24 hours was like, hey, I need to set myself up to not feel like, you know, crap after I did what I what made me feel good for two hours. Um, yeah. And I, I try to share that with people, because if, if people don't know that other people are going through it, it's like, you know, it's hard to get through because it's it's the it's the up and then it's the down and then it's like you're doing something hard and then you reward yourself. And you know, how did you kind of navigate that? Was it just like a cold turkey type thing? Was it a, you know, a rock bottom type thing? For me, it was kind of like a rock bottom, but everybody's journey is a little bit different.
0: Yeah, I, I I think like it was a lot of rock bottoms. I would say, um, I you know I I found even when I was still like using, I was I was still kind of falling into some success, yeah. and it and that was almost a bad thing for me uh, because I could I could fake it right like what the the ultimate the last night I ever drank um, my little my my youngest brother threw himself a party uh, cause he, he transferred to a different college. Uh, it, it's a, it's a famous party because it got me off the bottle. Yeah. Um, but I was kind of coming out of like my, my first, my first blackout of, of several that day and that night and my, my, I was struggling at the time cause I knew I had a problem and I, and I, and I was trying to stop like this was me like going into a different gear. And, and, and still my dad, my brother and my, one of my best friends were like having a heart to heart with me. Like because I, w- I wasn't getting in trouble. I was still having success in work. And they were like, dude, we're worried about you. Like you're you're they, they were like, you're a weekend warrior. And I was like Thursday night hit. And then it was like game on until basically Monday morning. And I was getting away with it. But I was definitely like in a bad place. And they were like, you need to slow down. And I, and I, and I, my biggest strength is my self-awareness. I told them I'm like, dude, this is me slowing down. Like, I don't think I can slow down. I think I have to stop. Like, I think that's my personality is like my mom, my mother would say, JR, you don't have a demo. Like it's on or off. Right. Like that's it. So I had to, I had to turn it off. So that night I was, and I told them that I'm like, I'm going to drink tonight. This is it. And they kind of laughed at me because I was buzzing yeah. and, of course I, I drank that whole night i drank till 7 30 in the morning uh with a bunch of buddies i grew up with my mom came down to our kitchen because my brother threw the party at my parents house right. my mom i was drinking a bud light my mom's like i think that's enough jr and, and i took my last sip of, of alcohol and i was like yeah you're right and she meant for the night but i meant for life and i haven't had a drink since that morning that was back in 2012.
1: it's incredible yeah it's a,
0: yeah, it's, a it's a fun it's a much yeah. When I tell the story in a different setting, it's much longer and funnier, but it, it was it was it was a good it was a good moment yeah. for everybody in, in, in my life.
1: Yeah, I think it's a it's a societal norm, right? It's like let's go let's go have a business meeting at four o'clock and grab a cocktail. You know, how do you navigate that? It's just, you know, I know it because it's not easy. It's everybody has social interactions and alcohol is a big piece of it or you know, something else because that's what relaxes people. So it's kind of like how do you, how do you navigate that? You know, it's just, it's just that uh, ability to say, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to have something else. The, the,
0: that is literally like I, I, people know I'm pretty, as you said, I'm pretty open about my sobriety I, because it's a huge part of who I am. It's, it's like the proudest thing I am of myself that, that isn't on my resume, right. Is, is my sobriety. And anybody who's done it knows how hard it is. The hardest part about it is exactly what you just said because if you take a step i was 27 years old i was in i was in channel sales which is like a big time relationship business a lot of entertaining right and i'm 27 i'm living in the city for the first time right a lot of sunday fun days and then you think about your work your work events you think about family events like christmas and holidays and and in your mind you're like alcohol is involved in all of these things How am I going to do this? How am I going to like not drink when like a huge part of my life is built around drinking and that I always tell people when I talk to them that come to me and and say, I want to stop. And they bring that up. I'm like, dude, who do you think you are? Like, do you think people give a shit about what's in your cup? Like get over yourself. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and the reason I say that is because that's what somebody said to me and it was like this epiphany moment of like, He's right. He's right. Like, this is a complete ego problem. Like, I don't, nobody actually cares what whether I'm drinking a ginger ale or a, a Jameson and, and ginger, right? Like, so that for me, like that epiphany moment of like, nobody cares except for me and everything I'm, I'm building up in my head about like, how this is a huge part of everything is 100% in my own head. And that kind of, that got me over the hump initially. And then, and I don't recommend this for everybody. Everybody's different. Mm-hmm. I'm obviously very open about my situation. Um, I own it, like if if, and I owned it right from the jump. Like first time I went out with customers again after I stopped drinking, I would order a soda water, and they'd be like, "What the hell, Jr.?" And I'd be like, "I'd be like, well, I don't know if you know this, but I'm allergic to alcohol." And they'd be like, "Really?" And I'd be like, "Yeah, I break out in handcuffs. You want to see it, right?" <laughs> Or you know, I one of my favorite lines my 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 uncle used it because I I come from a family with a lot of sobriety um, is like hey listen everybody gets a big cup of alcohol when they're born Uh, I finished mine by the time I was 27 I don't have any more (laughs) I don't have any more
1: left
0: you know what I mean so there's you know you you gotta kind of own it in my opinion and again I don't think that's for everyone some people just you know if people are shy. I tell them, like, tell them you're on medication and you can't drink for a little while. Like, like, just you got to get through it literally a day at a time, especially initially. And that that's how I did it.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I did a lot of a lot of research through my journey to try, you know, to try to get off that boat. And, um, you know, one of those things was like, I already feel good. Like, I already feel good in this. And, you know, I'm, I'm enjoying your guys, your company and your presence. And like, it's like everybody is stressed out. And they're like, hey, now I need to get to where I'm feeling good. And it's like, it's that constant chase. Um, and I think a lot of people need to hear that because you know, whether it's food, whether it's alcohol, whatever, whatever it is, the substance of the day or the week or the month, um, you know, people are numbing themselves because they don't want to confront something. So until you confront that, you know, you're, you're kind of just spinning wheels. Um, and I think that's what happens in transition a lot is like, because it's so hard, you're like, I really want that new job or I really want to get to that goal. Um, but you start spinning wheels because you get caught up in these kind of like, um, you know, ro- rotating, you know, things that are just sending you into holes. And then you get deeper and deeper and you look back and you're like, holy cow, what am I doing here? That's kind of yeah. the rock bottom. Yeah. And, and, and I think like one, like, like
0: thought, or like mindset to have in that transition is, is to, is to like, remember where you came from. And what I mean by that is like, the first time I, I got on skates, like I said, I was horrible, like I sucked, right. And then, you know, 19 years later, you're a division one hockey player playing, you know, in front of 1000s of people, um, you, you got to realize that the journey to get there was not easy ever. And anything worth any like endpoint worth getting to is not going to be easy. So when you're in that transition and you're doing stuff that makes you uncomfortable and you're bad, remember if you're a veteran, remember your first training camp, right? Your first boot camp. Remember the first time you did those exercises and you did six push-ups instead of a hundred, right? Like you just got to go back to that beginner's mindset in, in your transition. And that that again, it goes back to ego
1: a little bit, mm-hmm. Greg, yeah. right? Like
0: you, you got to drop the ego ego is truly the
1: enemy mm-hmm. how do you look at ego in in sales because a big a big part of sales is convincing people enrolling people in your vision and a lot of times if you put your ego aside people think you're not maybe you're not passionate enough about it or like something of that nature we're just like hey you know i have a great product i'd love for you to buy it and, you know, here's the price as a, and we, we try to like oversell people and that's a little bit of ego, right? Totally, mm-hmm. totally. And there,
0: and there is a difference between ego and confidence, right? Ego is like internal and, mm-hmm. um, a lot of it is BS, right? Confidence should come from preparation and research. Yeah. Um, and I think there's definitely, you have to be confident in the product that you're selling and why that customer should buy it. And, and it shouldn't be actually you know, and you know this, Greg, it's it's not about your product. It's about them. Like, why should they buy it? What's going on in their business? What's going on in their process that you can fix? And based on your research and your preparation, this is why I'm pushing you, right? Um, And that's, I think, the the biggest difference for sure. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. I love that. How do you help? So like, how do you look at when you're selling athletes and veterans to companies, and we'll get to the athlete veteran side and how to how to kind of set them up for success. But when you're, you know, pitching somebody who's getting out of, you know, uh, the military or getting out of sports that has, you know, little documented experience, but you know, they have these skills. How do you relay that to, you know, a corporate person that's just looking at a, a laundry list of qualifications of these people need five years of experience, they need a degree in this? How do you kind of convey and and bridge the gap there for companies to help them hire who they need
0: yeah it's 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 a great question and and typically you know candidly if if somebody needs five years of experience those aren't necessarily the jobs we're going after but even in the entry level world especially in this job market you are seeing companies say well we we'd prefer somebody with six months experience six to twelve months experience and and our 90% 90% of our candidates don't have that. I like to like, it's like when I sold software, I like to use their words, um, not against them, but to show them like what, and, and if you look at a job posting, and I don't care if it's in technology, medical device, pharmaceutical, doesn't matter. If you look for at a job posting in entry-level sales, the words you're going to see on that page are going to be looking for someone that's competitive, someone that's coachable, someone that understands how to be a good teammate, how to, how to uh, have a growth mindset, like all these little like characteristic nuggets, right? And I'll ask a I'll ask a, a company like how do you how do you interview for competitiveness? That mm-hmm. seems really hard. And and they'll and they'll say, well we ask them questions to give us examples of competitiveness. And that's like that's our in right there. It's like okay, I got a I got five hundred, I've got five hundred folks that I can put in front of you tomorrow that can give you a hundred stories about their competitiveness, about their coachability, about their teamwork, right? And then, you know, we're also like, the reality is is to be successful in anything, in my opinion, you need the right characteristics and you need the right mindsets. You do need skills and you do need knowledge. And and that's where shift groups, unique offering is very different for companies because in order for a athlete or veteran to get to that point where they're meeting with somebody, we've spent a lot of time with them giving them those skills and giving them that knowledge. So we're basically what we're telling companies is like, listen, this is what your job posting says you're, you're looking for. Here's the reason why our candidates have those things. And here's, they know how to use salesforce.com. We taught them how to do it. And, and no, they don't have six, nine months of experience, but they're the type of human beings that are going to close that gap way faster than somebody that doesn't, you know, it's like the equivalent of like, are you gonna hire? Are you gonna hire the the? You you got a receiver that you're trying to bring into the NFL. Are you gonna hire somebody who runs track and can do a a four or five, but has never run a post? Or are you gonna hire the guy in the stands because he's seen he's been to every Patriots game and he knows your playbook? Pretty simple, pretty simple answer, right? So you gotta you gotta look at attitude over aptitude, I think, especially. For the function that we focus on, which is entry-level sales.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot of folks just think years of experience is quality experience that's going to transfer to their company. We see that a lot in cybersecurity. I have an apprenticeship program and a course that we offer and help people get into cybersecurity jobs. And a big part of that is they want people with experience already. But it's how yeah. do you get out of college and already have experience? It's you know, it's not, yeah. it's not possible. So, you know, we try to train yeah. them with the transferable skills to say they've already learned XYZ, just like sale, they already know Salesforce, you know, they know how to go through a sales process, and they know how to, to deliver on objections. And it's like, that's what you're looking for. Why not? Why not take a chance on somebody and they're probably going to you know, prove you wrong on your you know, piece of paper. So I think that's extremely powerful. Absolutely.
0: My, my favorite is when a company's been around for like two years and they want five years of a track record. It's like, wait, you yeah. don't even have five years of a track yeah, right. record.
1: <laughs> yeah. Somebody's got to hold them accountable, though, right? It's like there, there needs to be accountability in, in the different transactions taking place. And a lot of times you know, it it, it it's a um, misconception from both sides. Like the candidates, like I can't get a job, and then the, the the company's like I can't hire anybody, and they're just like bickering back and forth. It's kind of funny, but I think that's just where technology is right now. With you know, you get you get a portal of you know LinkedIn applications of you know two thousand. How do you choose from these people? And you know the HR is you know o- swamp with paperwork, and there's a lot of a lot of obstacles there um, that I think you guys are helping helping to address. Um, what about the the athletes, um, athletes and veteran side? Like, what do you see in work for? You know, folks like that. Obviously, you went through a transition to, you know, get that first job, that second job, that you know, leadership role, and then, you know, started Shift Group. Um, what are you seeing as some of the things they're battling, and and things that people listening in today can um, kind of think about as they get that next role, or get that next promotion, or you know, that first role?
0: The the secret ingredient for us when when we know that a kid is going to be successful, and this is this goes for athletes and for veterans. um, I I use this term a lot. Call I call it being dialed in, and like being dialed in means I don't need to explain it to you, Greg. Right, you're you you played sports, right? And and I don't need to I don't need to explain what I mean by that to our candidates. But what we have to do successfully in our program is we have to get them dialed in again into this career. And 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 it's not like a like a it's not like a a, a win or a loss, right? Because the way I think about it is we are very transparent about the opportunity that sales affords you. You you as a person have to decide if if it aligns with your bigger purpose. Right. Um, and I talked about, like, my core purpose when I when I got away from hockey and figured out, you know, growing up in a blue collar house, going away to, to boarding school um, as like a as like a, you know, essentially a scholarship kid. And, you know, I went to the eighth most expensive secondary school in the world, literally. Right. So I'm surrounded by people that were doing things that I, I just couldn't do. Like I, I had to say no to a lot of stuff. And at the core of, of what I've done and who I am, I don't want to say no to stuff that I want to do and because of that it's it's for me, I'm driven by financial freedom. so and, and a lot of people are and that's what we try to help them figure out right is that it's it's intrinsic and it's, it's extrinsic uh, motivation um, and if and if we can help them uncover that, then the rest of being dialed in comes with it. Cause I, when I think of dialed in, it's like, I have a bigger purpose, that bigger purpose drives my goals. Those goals make it really easy for me to get passionate about becoming excellent at the things I need do to achieve those goals. And then it makes it easy to do the bad stuff, the practice, right? And the practice with intention around your colleagues, around your peers, to make you better. And it's all kind of I bundle it into being dialed in and and I keep it simple because I'm not that smart with it's about purpose, passion and practice. And if we if we can get someone bought into that, and we do it a good percentage of the time, and when we miss, sometimes it's on us. And sometimes it's just like, hey, they they're not really driven by this. And that's okay. And I always tell people like, hey, sales is the worst career in the world to make a mediocre salary, because it sucks. It's hard as hell. People tell you no way more than they tell you yes, and there's a lot of administrative stuff that isn't going to be fun for you. So if you're not driven financially, then then very likely you should probably look at a different career. Mm-hmm. So we gotta. That's where we win. Where we win is when we capture those hearts and minds that do have that bigger purpose, and we then they're dialed in. Then all the other stuff we make them do is easy because it's it's just hard work, and they're going to do it because they're driven and they're dialed in.
1: Mm-hmm. I love that dialed in because I think. a a lot of people talk about it in sports, but when you get out of sports, it's it's kind of like if you're not meeting your goals, you're not dialed in. Um, but how do you get dialed in? You know, to get to that goal. And I think that's one of those things that a lot of people don't get to. Um, I also think one of the things for athletes and veterans is is the metrics aspect. Like in sports, we're very data driven, and and sales is very data driven. Business is in general like you have to have clear metrics, and if you don't, you are just kind of you know, you're, you're going off of luck. Uh, I did that early on in my career. Nobody had metrics in cybersecurity, it was just like go sell to lawyers and see if they'll buy. And if you know, you end up, you know, exceeding somebody's expectations, and then they move the yard line, so they don't even know the metrics. And then, you know, you guys, you're not, you're not on the same page, and you're trying to go back and forth. Um, how do you help folks kind of take that, that athlete, metrics like hey miles an hour or shot speed things of that nature into the business world do you guys teach that aspect as well
0: yeah we we, we talk about this idea of like we're, we're, we're fortunate in sales that there is a scoreboard right like you there's a scoreboard there's a depth chart you're you're consistently being assessed by the people around you the people you work for the people you work with and we, we it right in our program. Like we, we rate every candidate, we, we give them consistent, constructive criticism and feedback and coaching. Um, and if that's uncomfortable to you, then you need to, you need to go look for another career because that's how it's going to be. So that's kind of how we, we hammered into their head. And And then, and then obviously we educate them. That's where the skills and knowledge come in with what, what that scoreboard is and that scoreboards about activity and productivity and outcomes, right? It's like, and, and some of those things you can control and some of those things you can't, I think on activity is, is 100% in your control. Always you can control how many emails you send, how many calls you make, how many LinkedIn messages you send. That needs to be just like in sports. You need to get to the gym. You need to get into the driveway and shoot pucks you know all that you need to do your sprints that's your activity metric check that box every single time the productivity comes from mastery right mm-hmm. cuz now you can control how many emails you send but how good those emails are that's your second metric right how many of those calls are turning into meetings right mm-hmm. and that's like where you know i can shoot pucks in the driveway blindly but if i shoot for the upper left hand corner, how often am I hitting that upper upper left hand corner, right? Going over the goalie's shoulder. And then the last piece is, is somewhat out of your control in terms of outcomes, right? We all know deals push, budget gets cut, but you know, all the other stuff, getting to the right people, aligning to the right business problems, making sure that the criteria that the customer is evaluating on matches your, your unique product set. Those types of things, those are, those are the things you have to control. So when a deal does push that you forecasted and you got to go to your boss, you got to be able to explain like, Hey, I did all this stuff. And this deal pushed because of X, the CIO got fired and he was our champion and our buyer, and now we have to start over. That's fine. You can't, you can't control that the CIO got fired. Right? So it's, it's, we, we try to put everything in the same context as sports and and military service because, because the same measurement exists in both worlds.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. I love how you mentioned you're selling why they need the, the product or service as opposed to selling benefits, because I think a lot of times, especially in tech, because it's a big translation. You have to translate how this is you know something that they may not understand, especially in cybersecurity. They're like, we don't need to secure what we can't see. Um, so it's you know, you have to tell them in their language. And I think that's something that I don't see much in in the sales world, especially on the tech side. It's, you know, it's an email that says, here's what we do. Here are the benefits. It's like, you want to hop on a call and it's like, well, you know, you didn't say anything about my business. Why, you know, why it's relevant to me and you know, you're shooting dark. And I did that early on in business. I was just shooting from the hip. And then, like you said, when you start to start shooting in the upper right and you're like, Hey, I could adjust a little bit this way. Then you, then you start to get that outcome that you want. But I think a lot of people quit before they get there. Um, you know, because it's it's that hard, grueling, brutal process.
0: Yeah. And, and I think like to your point, right, it's it all starts with empathy. Like if you nobody cares about you until they know that you care. Right. Like so it's like you got to you got to earn the right to talk about features and benefits and you have to put them in the context of their world. Like, you know, like the the Example I always use, I was I was running a team, we were selling an infrastructure software, so like data center management to a convention center um, locally. Mm-hmm. These people get like 180,000 people into their convention center every single weekend, pretty much, and, and during the week. And we were selling on the value proposition of like um, saving them money in their data center. But when we met with the CIO, uh, his biggest thing that he was thinking about was wifi. Cause, cause this is like, you know, the mid 2010s iPads are coming out. People are now showing up to these conventions with an iPhone, an iPad and a computer. And they're put they're connecting all three to the internet. And this guy's, all he's thinking about is how do I improve the experience of all these visitors that we get? So the way we positioned the technology was like, Hey, you're, you've got X amount of thousands of dollars budgeted next year. For your data center, with our technology, you can actually unlock about forty percent of that and use it to do a Wi-Fi revamp. And they literally sent us the purchase order the next day, Greg. Right? And we had never talked about Wi-Fi once the entire sales motion because we had never talked to this person who was ultimately making the decision and and spending the money. But the second we put it into the context of his world and what he wakes up thinking about and worrying about, now you got a deal, right? So again, it, it all you got to go back and you've got to really understand their business, their challenges, their processes and where there's gaps on like where they are today and, and where they want to get to.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. I think, I think that's also something that athletes and veterans resonate with as well, as you're like trying to pick apart a competitor or an enemy, you know, on the battlefield or, you know, if you're playing sports, it's the person, you know, across the field. Um, That's something I always communicate to companies when it comes to security, because they understand how to exploit and find those gaps, first and foremost. And a lot of that happens in sales as well, where you you're not exploiting, you know, you're not trying to do it maliciously, but you're finding things that are really important to these people so that you can tailor the message to them. Um, And I think that's the value of like niching down and really understanding why you're serving that person and what they actually need. You know, in return, and um, that's something I had to learn the hard way. Was I can't serve everybody. Obviously, everybody needs cybersecurity, but um, it's not going to be possible to serve the whole world uh, from that standpoint. Yeah. So, um, do you do you work through that with people on? Hey, you have this experience in your past, like maybe you were a you know X type of athlete or X type of military um, veteran, and and this is going to be the most relevant market for you to get into, or is it kind of more? You know skill building and then the company will help them niche down on who they're going after
0: yeah i think it's it's um in certain s- scenarios it's very obvious right like we have we do have a lot of um like there's a lot software's eating the world so there's a lot of like tech companies in these verticals where it's like painfully obvious like we got a, a college athlete that was an athletic director for 10 years and we have a platform a fundraising platform we work with that sells to athletic directors. Like, yeah, you got to go, you got to go here. Right. And then obviously on the, on the, um, veteran side there, you know, there's a huge mark cottage industry and defense tech mm-hmm. where not only their, their experience matters, but also their like literally their clearance. Like yeah. they, they, they have to be able to walk in to certain buildings in the, in the United States that only they can walk into. Uh, but for the most part, it's like pretty broad, pr- pretty broad brushes. We're getting we're we're getting out of tech, uh, not like out of tech, but like we're adding onto tech, like things like medical device, pharmaceutical, advertising, um, staffing and recruiting. That's where I think you know we're gonna have to do a better job of like n- helping people niche down into the sales industry that makes sense aligned to their background, right? You get a college football coach. They've been recruiting for a decade, right? Like they're, they're going to be a really good fit in staffing and recruiting. You got a combat medic, obviously you're going to push them to med device or pharma. So like, I think we'll get, we'll get better at that. And and we're thinking about like some behavioral assessments to help us think about that. My opinion is there should always be a self-selection portion of it. Like I know there's guys, I, I know that, I think would do great in tech, but they've been very successful in med device. So you don't want to you don't want to pigeonhole hole a person either, right? So you you want to educate them as much as you can, give them as much data about themselves that tells them like where they might be a fit. But ultimately, you want that person to be to have freedom of choice, in my opinion.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm sure you've done some kind of psychological experiments, just seeing all these people come through. You know, being self aware yourself. You know, do you think obviously we have strengths by nature? But do you think there's that nurture aspect where you can actually reinvent yourself to become something that you, you want to be, no matter what your background is? I do. I do.
0: I I'm I'm a strong believer in like neuroplasticity, yeah. right? And um, like I'll give you an ex- a, a real example that applies to you and I, Greg. We're we're actually very low on initiative. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't even need to have you take this assessment to know because as athletes we're coached. And we're told what to do and, and how to be prepared and when to be there our entire lives. And then you get into a, a career like sales and you have a ton of autonomy. So but that being said, there's other strengths that fill that gap, which is like you are used to structure. So what comes down, what we t- what we teach our 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 athletes and our veterans are have, have low initiative, too, is you backfill your low initiative with an operating rhythm. And you know how to be accountable to an operating rhythm and a cadence, but, but now it's on you to build it. And once you build it, you, you now the, the initiative, the necess- necessity of initiative goes away because you don't have to wake up and think about what am I going to do today to be successful? Because you've built an operating rhythm and now you, you, you do still have to push yourself, but you have a plan and that's what you're used to. You're used to given being given a playbook and following the playbook. So those those are the kind of things that you can kind of tweak. And then I, I do think like extrovertness and 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 things like empathy, I think you can uh you can work on those like intangible characteristics. It's not easy by any means, but it's definitely doable.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like tearing apart, you know, part of your body, rebuilding it up. It's it's that you're pushing through the the normal, um, the the, yeah. the average uh you know, um, you know, steps you're taking or motion that you're doing. It's like, you know, it's like throwing a baseball to me or throwing a football or, or, or trying to do like le- swinging left-handed. Like it feels super weird, yeah. but if you do it over and over, you know, I think that's key. And and the cadence, um, is, is huge. I think I see that a lot with veterans. We, we have a lot of veterans in our apprenticeship program, skill bridge, um, type folks who are getting out of the military. Um, and I see it quite frequently with athletes, you know, everybody's a little bit different, but um, you know, they like to be, to have that structure, to be told what to do. And sometimes we'll put them in a position, you know, obviously we have our metrics, but like letting them not get some guidance to see which way they want to take their career, as opposed to us saying, hey, here's our normal path. That's the path you're going to go down. And it makes people squirm a little bit, um, but it's good for them to be kind of a little bit unsure of what they need to do so that they can kind of exercise that. I, I need to figure it out to get to that end goal I already know about. But getting there is the the unclear part and the hard part um, that benefits them.
0: Yeah, there's a term in uh, in the military, it's called commander's intent. Mm-hmm. And basically the idea is like, you know, most people think of veterans is like they they have to be told exactly like what to do but actually what what they really need is they they need to know what the outcome needs to be and they need left and right guardrails but like for the most part if you're very clear and concise on what the outcome needs to be then they can get there and that's kind of what we try to do too is like commander's intent like the goal is this this is some ways that you can get there but ultimately we're going to let you drive this and drive this outcome that you need to get
1: to. I love that. Yeah. I've seen, I've seen companies pay people six figures just to help them implement commander's intent because they feel like people are not achieving what they want them to achieve because they're trying to tell them how they would do it. And the person's like, I want to do it a different way. And then the outcome gets compromised. Um, So I, you know, growing up in a military family, I saw that a lot where it was, you know, Hey Greg, I want you to be at, you know, be at practice by, you know, 6, 6 PM. And it's like, well, I don't know how I'm going to get there. They didn't say, I'm going to pick you up at 5 PM. We're going to go to practice at six. You know, it's kind of like, you got to figure it out on how you're going to get there. And I think that muscle is so important to be successful at anything or be, um, you know, be able to achieve any goal is being able to somewhat figure it out without somebody telling you, here's the five steps to get there. Yeah. So that's incredible. Yep. Um, what are some other um, you know key things that people transitioning can take away? Um, obviously the job market is up and down um, you know there's there's changes going on digital revolution digital transformation companies are going through AI is in the picture where some of these roles are being phased out and I'm sure you guys are tracking all that and kind of helping people navigate it obviously tech sales and things aren't going anywhere pharmaceutical staffing and recruiting definitely not going anywhere um, but what would you say to people who are in those roles that may be taken over by these advanced technologies and you know what they should do to package up themselves to you know better tell that story yeah i mean i listen ai is definitely
0: i i don't consider it a threat um it's like any i i think like any any new technology it's like it's like armor that you're adding to the to the human element right mm-hmm. so I not to use another hockey analogy, but when I was like 16, these sticks came out called synergies. They're unbelievable. So much lighter. your shot was harder, but it was like you still needed the fundamentals to take advantage of it. Right? So I think at the core of the technology revolution that we're going through and going to continue to go through forever is that you've got to go back to the, the core human elements, and and I my joke is like the only AI that really matters is attitude and initiative. Mm-hmm. And if you don't have those two things, none of this, none of this other stuff really matters, yeah. right? At the end of the day. Um, so and 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 listen, there are there's are certain things that are gonna that are gonna go away because of, of AI, you've gotta try to go and unlock the 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 part of those processes where human you the human element is critical. Um, and I think, like to your point about the the ups and downs of of the job market. I I I was born in 1984. Um, I've, I I remember 2001. I remember 2008 because that's when I entered the job market. Um, my parents, your parents, th- they went through a recession every single eight years their entire life. Like this is this is life, mm-hmm. yeah. right? Like it's gonna like shit gets hard, right? We have a t-shirt that we sell in our store. It says nobody cares. Work harder. And mm-hmm. that's yeah. like the best advice that I think anybody can get is nobody cares. Work harder. Like mm-hmm. it is what it is. Nobody owes you anything. So you you just got to put in the work, the research, the preparation. Um, and and nobody's coming to save you. So so it's 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 you it's you versus
1: you verse you, hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah, I love that. That's uh that's something everybody needs to hear a little bit more often. Whether it's on a shirt or yes. on their mirror somewhere, it's. We, we start to get into our own heads and we want to, we want somebody to come pat us on the back and say, it's going to be all right. And I'm here to save you. and they're, they're not coming. I promise you that. So, and if they do, you're in, you're in a good situation and probably going to set you up for failure uh, if, if they do come, but junior it's been an absolute pleasure. A um, lot of, a lot of benefit and value in this conversation. Um, before we get to the final question, uh, where can folks find you? I have your, your website here. Um, how can folks connect with you? Whether they're a, a candidate wanting to pivot into a new role or a company that is looking for folks in this uh this arena
0: yeah they get uh, right on our website there's a there's a tab for athletes and vets and a tab for companies people can reach out directly to me my email is just jr at shiftgroup.io i'm also I, I would recommend i'm a good follow on linkedin i'm i'm as uh i'm, I'm me on linkedin which is as it's it, it, <laughs> It's good, and it, it's pros and it's cons. But I'm 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 always a, a good follow because I'm not afraid to tell people when they're wrong or when I think they're wrong. I have mm-hmm. strong opinions, loosely held. I think is the way I would describe yeah. me as a LinkedIn follow.
1: I love it, love the rawness. That's what that's what the world needs more of. Because if you're not living that way, you're you're probably wasting your time, wasting your energy. So I love the energy you're bringing. Um, definitely check out uh, Jr. and the team. I see Dylan joined us, have chatted with Dylan a few times. So great folks over there um, and looking forward to, to winning together going forward. Um, JR, one of the questions we like to ask, this show is all about um, connection and mindset. And everybody's definition of being connected is a little bit different. Um, you know, this, this episode we call it connecting to grow, learn and earn. Obviously, that's relevant to the, what you're bringing to the world. Um, but what does connection, you know, as a term, as a mantra mean to you? Uh, in your life currently
0: be where your feet are Um, the past is nothing but a memory the future is nothing but like an idea the only thing that that matters is today that you know it's a gift that's why they call it the present right Um, so to me connection is being where you are and being in that moment Um, even when it's hard just like you know take it in get through it Right. If if it doesn't kill you, it makes you stronger. I'm I'm saying a lot of cliches, but you get the idea, man. Like don't don't worry too much about the past. Don't don't think about too much about the future, and, and do whatever you can in in every moment um, to get you get you where you want to go. Um, that that be that's what connection means to me is connection to the present yeah. and being where your feet are.
1: I love it. That's where we all need to live. Jr. It's been a pleasure. Thanks so much for joining us, and uh, looking forward to continuing the conversation.